Good morning. Welcome to Restoration Cultivation. It's uh, June 14th. Another one of these mornings, the Lord woke me up early. Um, been up early. This week is a special week for my wife and I. Um, for 25 years now, she has uh, she's put up with me. And that's uh, probably the easiest, best way to say it. She has put up and dealt with many of my shenanigans and um, much of my stubbornness. Many of the, no, pretty well everything I've learned from the Lord has been Him undoing things in me and undoing my self-nature and undoing my desires to bring me into His desires, His mind, His will, His purpose, His direction. Getting religion out of me, me out of religion. Getting self out of me. And I'll throw this little bone out there. Removing the Adam slash Halil slash Lucifer nature to bring us, to bring me in this situation into the mind of Christ into the life of Christ, into his life, his light, his love, and to walk in his nature. So Kelly, if you listen to this, thank you, baby, for 25 years. Thank you for teaching me Ahava, for teaching me love. Thank you for loving me when I felt no one else would, and no one else did. Thank you for your, your mercies, thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness where I have fallen short as a husband, as a father, and as a man. I just, I, I bless you today, baby. I honor you, and I thank you. I thank you for who you are, for what the Lord is, has done in you, what he's doing in you, and what he will continue to do in you. Even as I talk about what I want to, discuss today about Revelation, what he is doing in both of us and what he has shown us over the years. So as I, I now segue, my last couple of topics have been on fear, unbelief, fear, overcoming those. And it's been a good month and a half. It's been a busy month, month and a half for us in I've really just not had time to sit down and, and share share what the Lord's placed on my heart, what I've been studying, what I've been looking at. And I will go back and do another podcast and probably change order a little bit because I really want to talk about fear in Abram's life. And I know Abram is the father of faith, but if you look at his life, you see fear and how the Lord put him in Egypt, and how the Lord revealed fear, how the Lord delivered him from Egypt, how he delivered him from fear, and how Abram became the father of faith. How trials, temptations, struggles, his own insecurities set on his life and on his heart, and the Lord took him through them, beyond them, and he overcame them to become what we call the father of faith, what the Bible calls the father of faith. But what I want to talk about today is revelation. 
You notice that I did not say Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. It is one revelation. It's not multiple. It's one revelation. And I want to read the first verse, the first part of the first verse. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me reread that again. The revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. As the Hebrew would say it, Yeshua HaMashiach, salvation, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means anointed or anointed one, the one that the oil of the Lord, the oil of the Spirit has been smeared upon in and through. Jesus, meaning salvation, life, God with us, uh, as Emmanuel in, in Matthew 1, but it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you one simple question. Where is Jesus Christ revealed? Now, I left a quiet period there on purpose because I wanted you to think. When you get born again or when you encounter Christ, where does Christ, according to the teachings of the church, where does Christ come to live? I was taught as a child that I invite Jesus to come live in my heart. Simple church doctrine. Invite Jesus to come live in my heart. Be Lord of my life to guide and direct my steps. So Jesus comes to live within us, within me. So if this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, where is Jesus Christ revealed? That's right. He is revealed within me and within you. Really not that hard to, to understand. Christ is revealed within you and within me. So what is this book talking about? It is talking about the revelation of Christ within you and within me. I know that it has been made an external book. I know that people say this is a book of prophecy, and it is. I'm going to read a few more verses here in just a moment in the introduction. 
It is a book of prophecy. But in a moment, we're going to talk about what that prophecy is according to the book of Revelation and according to multiple testimonies in the book of Revelation. Listen, I am, when we talk about this today, there are some holy grails according to the church. There are some golden calves that are going to get torn down and thrown in the fire. And that's tough. It's tough for, you know, when when the Lord challenges us on the things that we believe and he shows us truth and he shows us what we believe is not true and then we have to humble ourselves and we have to repent which means to change the way we think or as i said in one of the last podcast the greater my what i believe is a greater understanding is to change the place from where thought is processed where we go from the mind of man to the mind of christ where we begin to think and understand and see things as Christ sees things. The Bible tells us to put on the mind of Christ. That we we should go through this transition to put on a, the life. We put on his mind. We transition from death unto life, and we, we do away with the old mind and the old nature and the old thought process. This is a process. But let me read through the verse, first three verses. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants. His bondservant. See, a bondservant, go back and study a bondservant. Look up all the words in concordance. A bondservant is that one who puts his ear to the doorpost. And says, I will be yours, Lord. I'm free to go, but I place my ear. Mark my ear. I am your servant, but my ear is to hear your voice. My ear is to obey your command. I set myself here marked as yours to walk as you guide, as you lead, as you direct, to do your will. And then it says the things let me let me let me start over the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place you cannot pass over that word shortly take place people say today that the book of revelation is about end times and that it's about a now that everything in the book of Revelation is is or is having has been fulfilled in the last 100, 500 years? Well, here's my question. Why does it say the things which must shortly take place? 
And later on, he says, go and tell my, send this to the churches. Tell them to read this and then send this out. If, if, if this is about a now, an end times prophecy, of what effect, of what importance was it 2,000 years ago? Because if this is happening now, besides just passing on the warning, it had no effect in their lives. Unless, as I said, the revelation of Jesus Christ is within us. And this is about the things taking place within us. And I will get into this a little bit deeper, but I want to focus on the next couple of verses here. And it says it was communicated by his angel to his bondservant, John. I'll leave angel alone right now. We'll come back to that at a later time. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. That testimony of Jesus Christ is important. Let's read verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Some versions say the time is at hand. But I read that third verse, and it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And some of you said, aha, see, there is prophecy. Prophecy is about what is going to take place in the future. Well, what I want to do is I want to use the book of Revelation. Now, I'm going to let the book of Revelation define what is prophecy. Revelation 19, verse 10. And it says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wait a minute, what is that? Back in verse 2 it says, Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of of Jesus Christ. All right, so we're in the same verses. We're talking about the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy. Now, what are the words of the prophecy? According to Revelation 19, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This book is about the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a few other verses. So, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, if there's only one witness, be cautious. You know, make sure that you have the mouth of two or three witnesses. So let's read all the verses. Revelation 1, 2, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1, 9, I, John, 
who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, who was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar and the souls of them which were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. What is that testimony? We're going to get down to that. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. We'll get back into that beast later on. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. All right, so that's Revelation 12, 11. Now let's listen to Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was wroth or angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ. So here in the book of Revelation, we have... Revelation 1-2 says the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1-9, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12-17, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 19-10, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. They held within them the spirit of prophecy, the testimony that Jesus Christ is alive that he came, that he lived, that he died, that he, that he resurrected, and he overcame death. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation that Christ is alive, that he died, that he ascended, but guess what? That he is, is returning, and, and he is returning in me. And that the work that is being done is that Christ is alive in me and that I am his temple, that I am his dwelling place, that he is revealing himself within me. Well, guess what that means? All of the bad things that it talks about in the book of Revelation, it is talking about taking place in your life, in my life, in the lives of of those that we call the church. This is going to hurt some people's feelings. The church is not a building. Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst. That is the church. That is the ecclesia. That is the fellowship. That is the koinonia. That is that communion where When we gather with him, he gathers with us. And when we gather with fellow brethren and we discuss the word, which is Jesus Christ, and we talk about what he is doing within us, we talk about the death that is being overcome, the life that is being imparted, the grace that flows through us, the ahava, the love that washes through us like a river that we give to others. And we give that testimony that I am working towards Revelation 22. 
that Christ is seated upon the throne of my heart and my life, and out of me flows a river of life that brings healing to the nations, that has fruit, that has leaves, that has life that all might partake of and give glory unto him, not because of you, not because of me, but because of Christ within us. The anointing flows like a river. But that means there's an antichrist within you. Some of you just said, nope, not me. Well, let me just tell you, the antichrist just spoke in your life. There is a beast within you. Some of you said, nope. Not me. I am born again, regenerated, washed in the blood. Yes, you are. I agree. But every time self, every time you get angry because someone offends you, that beast rises. Every time you throw words of discredit or death every time you attack, you speak death towards someone else, that's the false prophet speaking. I think James said in, I think it's in James 3, where he said, how do you speak life and death? How out of the same tongue can you speak blessings and cursings? See, we want to look at others. We want to point at others in that situation and not look at ourselves. You know, when someone comes to you with an offense, look, this marriage is the greatest. You know, I'm talking about the testimony. You know, and I, I just read in one of these verses, and I didn't realize this, but the aisle that is called Patmos. I'm going to look up something real quick while we're talking. Where is the Isle of Patmos? It is in Greece. Wow. So, my wife and I, as I told you, we're celebrating 25 years. We're doing a vow renewal this coming Saturday, three days, four days, three days. And we leave June 20th, and we're going to Greece. I think Patmos is one of the places that we're going not a hundred percent sure you know as a man and I've been the studier of the word in our marriage and it amazes me though how so many times my wife hears the Lord on things and does things that my 
mind of reason doesn't necessarily comprehend or want to do. Back when I shared those podcasts on fear, I was talking a little bit about the personal things that we were going through. And I thought we were going to have to cancel this trip because of finances. The trip was basically paid for. But a concern of having enough work to keep my men busy while I was gone. You know, and fear was gripping my heart. And I was doing all that I could to try to trust the Lord to overcome that fear. And even as I talked to her in mid, early mid-May and said, hey, we're going to have to cancel this thing. Then realized we weren't going to be able to get a big portion of our money back. And I just realized, I said, you know what? We're just going to have to do this. We're, we're going to have to follow through. And here I am this morning sharing on John. Many say John the Revelator. But John that stuck his ear to the heart of Christ. Who was a bondservant of Christ? Who listened to the beat of his heart and his desire? And in a desolate place, put on an island, was visited by the word of the Lord. And revelation came of who Christ is, what Christ does. I'm sorry, guys, that's a printer in the background that will not stop cycling. But who Christ is, what Christ does within us. You see, modern teaching teaches us they're going to tear down the mosque in Israel. They're going to build a temple. And then the Antichrist, the chosen one, is going to come and he's going to set himself up as God in the Holy of Holies. And that's when we'll know the Antichrist is here. Yet John says there are many Antichrists that have come. He talks about the spirit of Antichrist in the books of John. What that's Second Thessalonians, I believe it's Second Thessalonians chapter two talks about. And it talks about being seated in the temple. And we have allowed preachers with an Old Testament mindset to tell us that that is an Old Testament temple. Well, the simple fact is we are the temple of God. You and me. It's what it's what the New Testament teaches. We are the temple. We are his dwelling place. And I don't think any of you would argue with that. 
But it talks about in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2. Verse 3 and 4, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed. And I'd have to go back. You can read first couple of verses. The son of destruction and opposes and exalts himself above all, above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself as being God. <clears throat> this is what self does. This is what the, the, the Antichrist nature within us does is it tries to exalt itself, its high-mindedness. No, you're wrong. I'm right. We are the temple of God individually and corporately. And when we understand the battle of the revelation of Christ is within us and the Antichrist, the man of perdition, the self-nature, the Adamic, Luciferian nature is within you and it is within me. And we need the grace of God the blood of Jesus that washes over and the law of the spirit of life in Christ that by faith we look upon the cross and we look upon the resurrected Christ and we see that that is his desire for us is that we look like him. That means self, antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, the lies. All of that has to be put to death. Church, we have been sold a bill of goods that everything is external. God is not trying to build an external kingdom. When he said, pray this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom comes within it is not external. How do You say, how do I know that? Well, the remaining prayer says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He's not talking about finances. He's talking about the richness of the communion of the word, the breaking of the bread, the pouring out of the wine, the blood. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is an internal cleansing, that bitterness, that offense, the things that try to set in the heart. That is an internal, not an external work. Where Jesus set the example on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's a work of the heart. I think it's Hebrews 12. Let me find this. I think it's Hebrews 12. Everybody quotes the verse. It says, without righteousness, no man shall see the Lord or without holiness. Let me find this.
No. Maybe it's chapter 9. Hang on, I got to look this up. Give me just a moment, please. It is Hebrews 12, verse 14. I'm sorry. Let me read a couple of verses here. Hmm. Give me just a second. Verse 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. In the King James, I says, I think it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Everybody points to holiness and just leaves out the first part of the verse, which is pursue peace. But let's listen to what the next verses say. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. See, it goes on, says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. See, it is it is that place of dealing with the issues of the heart, not letting bitterness. When Christ comes to sit on the heart, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said, oh, there are a thousand chambers of my heart that need to be converted. You are that temple. You are the dwelling place of the Lord. You are the book of Revelation. As you listen to this, listen to this podcast, I would encourage you to now open the book of Revelation and say, Father, show me where and what you're doing inside of me and how you're doing it. And I'm going to close with this. The word angel means message or messenger, one who carries a message. Do you know there is no place in the Bible that you can take the word angel and in the same verse find the word wings? Not one. Not one. Angels do not have wings. Actually, according to the early church teachings, they called certain ministers, certain apostles, angels. Polycarp, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Polycarp, search it, read the history of Polycarp. He was a martyr for Christ, was a powerful man of God. And Polycarp 
was considered and called an angel to one of the churches because he carried the message of Christ. So now, when you look at the book of Revelation and it talks about the angels, and it taught it mentions the word angel. Now begin to ask the Lord, what is the message that is being spoken into your life? And I'll give you a little clue. It talks about seven angels, seven messages. There are seven churches. Guess what else it talks about with seven? There are seven spirits of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. These seven spirits are the fullness, the completion of the spirit of the Lord. They are what lays out the menorah, the candlestick. They are the male and the female. The zakar and the nikabah joined as one in the Spirit of the Lord. So I ask you today, Sit before the Lord and ask him to show you his revelation of himself in you. The testimony of Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy. That you might be the son of God in the earth that he has called you to be. And yes, he has called us to be sons of God. The image of Christ in the earth. For his glory and his honor. Amen.